0: Welcome again to those of you who are in the room, those of you listening online on our podcast. Um, As I mentioned before, I just love this day. Isn't it just fun to see the kids and just the excitement and to actually have have weather that isn't like six feet of snow? You know, it's just nice. It's just the start of spring. I love this day, especially for many reasons. Obviously, the Palm Parade, you know, it's just exciting to see the kids run around. The fifth graders uh, welcomed into communion. Um, the breakfast that we're going to have, the coats that are piled up for coats for the king. But what I really, really love about this day is that today launches one of the worst and best weeks for the Christ follower. It, today's the starting line, the starting point. And even if you're not a Christian, the next 168 hours, it, it's like you and I are in the front row of a narrative of a, of a play that plays out like an Oscar movie, because we have, you and I get to watch the creator of the world go from being a celebrity of a city to being sold out by a friend, and then to confirm that he's the savior of the world, all within a week, and it all starts with today, Palm Sunday. Now, if you don't know a whole lot about Jesus, there's one thing that you should know. Jesus was a master communicator. He was a master teacher, a master communicator. And you don't need to be a Christian to read the Bible because Jesus talked about personal development, professional development. He talked about leadership. He talked about relationships. He talked about money, work, taxes. He talked about it all. But most importantly, he wanted to communicate a message that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And if you think about communication, what's the purpose of communication? Why do we communicate? The purpose of communication is really just simply to convey a message, isn't it? To convey a message. One of the most frustrating things is when the message you want to communicate is misunderstood by the people to whom you're communicating. Isn't that frustrating? Raise your hand if you've ever been misunderstood in communication. Yeah. Those of you not, you're lying. And it's not good to lie in church. (laughs) We all have. I mean, have you ever texted someone or, or sent an email or a Facebook message and the person you're sending, you're sending it to, quote, hears anger in your voice? And you're like, what? Like, here's a typical text that I send my daughter. My daughter's a freshman in college in, in Omaha, Nebraska. And um, I would I, whenever I would need to get a hold of her for whatever reason, I would just send her a quick text message that would say something like this. It says, can you call me? And her response, nine out of ten times, is, what I do. (laughs) Right? Raise your hand, parents. You get this, don't you? It's totally true. In communication, there are these assumptions that you and I have that are based on who's communicating with us and your own personal preconceived ideas about the topic that they're communicating about. That's very, very important, especially for today. An example of that, too, is my son... Uh, for one of his birthdays, he turned 18. And uh, he was all excited. And for us with birthdays, we usually go out to dinner someplace nice, and um, or we go to an event someplace nice. And he told my wife, who told me that he wanted to go to the strip club. And I was like, Absolutely, you can't even, you're only 18, and we're a Christ following family. We don't do that. But then I found out what's the strip club? It's a steak place. In St. Paul, which if you've never... It's up in Dayton's Bluff. If you've never been there, go. It's, raise your hand if you've been there and you think it's awesome. Yeah, they have awesome steaks. Strip club. <laughs> My pastor told me to go to a strip club. <laughs> but those are just silly examples. But at the end of the day, you know what I'm talking about. When you're communicating a message, you want the message to be understood, and you do your best to communicate as clearly as you can to the person or the people to whom you're you're messaging you're communicating, and that communication takes different forms electronically verbally and and for me there's one way of communicating that has always fascinated me, and it's uh sign language and so I want to invite up Amy Caslow. Amy is one of our worship leaders uh, at here at the family center and, and serves all over the place and um is continuing to learn sign language, and so I just want to hand it over to you. Tell us a little bit about sign language, the things that we've been talking about when it comes to a signed language. Okay. Well,
1: first, can I give a little history?
0: Absolutely. Okay,
1: good. Um, Deaf people have existed for as long as there have been human beings, and deafness can be traced back just thousands of years, the earliest records, um, documented about deaf people was between 575 and 550 B.C. Well, then later on, during the Middle Ages, it was documented that um, people who were born deaf couldn't, could not have faith. They couldn't be saved. So they were barred from the churches. You have to be able to hear the word of God. And being deaf was a punishment. God was punishing you. The earliest documented sign language that was actually used by humans um, was in the 1500s. And it was actually a monk who developed it. And he was looking for a way to communicate during his valve silence. So it really wasn't a deaf person that came up with sign language. It was a person who wanted to talk and not talk. He wanted to show what he needed to say. So sign language is a visual language. It's a show and not tell language. It's a symbol, um, it's a movement, it's a facial expression. It's um, just showing how things happen. That's sign language. And it's not universal. Just like Christianity is not universal. It's not the same as English. It's not word for word for word. But it's just a visual way to talk. It is and tends to be a primary mode of communication for deaf people. And um, it's a signed language, hence it's a signed communication. Things like this, you know, we've talked about, um, are kind of the way Jesus communicated with us, with signs. Um, Even God, in the very beginning, was there a burning bush? Was there um, a flood? These were all communications, ways that God was communicating with this world. Um, they were signs that he showed us instead of literal words. Um, sign language is just mainly a way to facilitate communication. In my other life, from the worship team, I'm a sign language interpreter. And as an interpreter, I'm charged with conveying a message that is clear and that it's true to message. And the hearing person has to trust that I'm going to do that. I, Pastor Todd has to trust that I'll sign what he says. And the deaf person has to trust that I'm really saying what he's saying. So the connecting word in all of this is trust. You hearing people, you can't see what I'm saying, but you have to trust that it's right. It's kind of like faith. We can't see God. We can't see the Holy Spirit. We can't see Jesus. But we have to trust all the signs in our world and our life and our history that have been passed down to us that he really, really does exist.
0: Yeah. And what, what's really cool about what Amy said, the whole trust issue, is um, think about, so you, Amy's the intermediary. Is that a word? I don't know if it is. I made it up. Communication
1: it's, facilitator. Right. You're,
0: you're, the, you're the mediator, if <laughs> you will. You're the person in between the sender of the message, and the receiver, right? So we're going to operate a little bit of that trust here as we read the uh, Palm Sunday account uh, from the book of John, and um, Amy is going to sign it for us. Just a real quick setup to the story as we're about to see it. Um, This story isn't just a story that somebody made up. It's rooted in history. It's rooted in a place uh, it's rooted in real events that happened 2,000 years ago. In fact, just to kind of set us up, into, for those of us who are visual learners, uh, this is really what um, this area looked like. So this is actually, if you take a look, this is what Jesus would have seen as he came from Bethany about a mile and a half over the hill on the east side of Jerusalem. He would have seen this, less the skyscrapers and, and all of that. But he would have seen that wall, and right in the middle is a gate called the Golden Gate, It's a golden gate. That is the actual gate that Jesus entered into on this Sunday 2,000 years ago. And the reason it's walled up, it actually was walled up back in the Middle Ages, about 1,100 or so. And what was really cool about that was that Ezekiel prophesied that nobody else would enter through that gate once it was walled up. In fact, back in Ezekiel, it says, the man brought me back to the outer gate of the sanctuary, the one facing east, that's, that's the gate, and it was shut. The Lord said to me, this gate is to remain shut. It must not be open. No one may enter through it. It is to remain shut because the Lord, the God of Israel, has entered through it. So 500 plus years before this Sunday, you know, way back when Ezekiel was writing, before Jesus, he prophesied, that this gate would be closed and that Jesus, because Jesus would have gone through it and entered through it. So we're going to operate a little bit of that trust factor. So um, as you're thinking about this, imagine the scene. Think about this visual that Jesus has up at the top header there of coming into the city of Jerusalem. Do you want to tell me... Share with, share with them what you told me about setting up the scene. I think that's fascinating, okay, too. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: Um, so when I'm preparing a message for a deaf person for them to understand, they need to know the what first. They need to know the where and the what, and then they need to know the who, and then they need to know the action. So the first thing I have to do for a deaf person to visually see what I'm communicating is I have to set up places and I have to set up people. So for instance, we're going to be using Jerusalem um, as part of the scripture that we're demonstrating in sign language today, and I will set up Jerusalem right here. So you'll remember, and that's what deaf people do, I'll keep signing, but we'll always remember that Jerusalem is right there. So everybody in your mind, just visualize Jerusalem is right here. And then I'm going to set up Jesus right here, and I'm going to bring Jesus to Jerusalem. You kind of see in the picture? Anybody following me there? Just a little nod would help. I know you're hearing people, so you're processing it this way, but just a little back-channel feedback would be good here. So, but that's how it's going to work. So throughout the, the, the scripture here, it'll be visual. I'll set things up, and you just have to remember where I put them. Okay?
0: I was going to say, welcome to my world, you know, with the response. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> I just think that's cool. Okay. So let's dive into the story. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at that time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus had entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead. And they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him. Because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, There's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Amen. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. (laughs) So as a signed language, which, again, I learned so much just as I was talking to her ahead of the message and and preparing, Um, as a signed language, as a sign language, actually, uh, all communication is about making those connections, as Amy was talking about, connecting where Jerusalem was, connecting that this is Jesus, and so... Moving forward, the connection of the story unfolds before us, and everything about this whole event, this Palm Sunday event, Jesus finding the donkey, the way he rode it, the the, the way he rode into the city, the coats, the tree branches, what even the people shouted—it all pointed to the fact that Jesus was the prophesied Messiah coming into the world to usher people into the kingdom of heaven. These were all signs, everything about, and John's gospel is just filled. That's his main word is uh, Semaian, which means signs. or signs and signs and wonders that Jesus did that pointed, that said that he was who he said he was and was going to do what he said he was going to do. Die as a criminal, rise again on the third day. But as with any communication, there's always a disconnect, isn't there? Because... We in our minds, and the people back then actually, they didn't want a spiritual king. They didn't want another church leader, religious leader, coming in and telling them what they had to do to get God to accept them. They wanted a political king, one that would come in, swoop down, overthrow the Roman government, and, and establish, uh, reestablish Israel as a nation back in the good old days under David. The receivers on Palm Sunday, the listeners, the seers, the hearers on Palm Sunday completely missed the message. I mean, even Jesus', Jesus disciples missed it. Do you remember as we were reading that verse where it says his disciples didn't understand that uh, at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy? They had in their own minds what Jesus was supposed to be and supposed to do. And you and I are like this in our life too. You have an idea of who Jesus is that might not sync up with who he actually is. You have an idea of what Jesus should be doing in your life, in your relationships, in your finances, and it doesn't sync up. If you're a a relatively new Christian, you have this idea that when you start believing in Jesus, you hear all these great things, and so I'm going to start believing in Jesus and get this idea that your whole life is going to be so much better. You know, you, you feel, I'm going to win the lottery now. You know, everyone's going to like me. I'm going to get that girl, that guy. And from here on out, my life is going to be perfect. Bunnies and sunshine, oh, kind of thing. That's the idea you get if you're a new Christian. Now listen, oftentimes your life gets worse. Struggles. What a great marketing piece, right? Lead with Benefits. Become a Christian, and your life is going to fall apart. Why does that sometimes happen? It's because the last thing the enemy wants is to have you surrender your life to Jesus. And you lose someone you love, and then you lose that opportunity. You lose your health, and you, you wonder where Jesus is in all of it. You have this preconceived idea, again, what Jesus should be and who he should be. And here's one that actually mirrors what's happening today. Uh, in our hearts many, many times and actually reflects back to the people's hearts back then. You're convinced that Jesus is a political leader. I'm convinced Jesus is a Republican. I'm convinced Jesus is a libertarian. Jesus has got to be a Democrat. But now your candidate isn't winning or has dropped out or there's controversy and you feel like Jesus is letting you down. Jesus is letting the country down. Jesus didn't come to save America. He came to save Americans and everybody in the world. Again, that's not so different than Jesus' day. When they saw Jesus arrested, put on public trial, and then killed, they lost all hope that Jesus was the kind of king that they wanted and they thought that he would be. Why? Because the Jesus they wanted would be a political king. They missed the signs. They missed... The message Jesus was sending that he communicated to the Roman governor, Pilate, when he said, my kingdom isn't of this world. So here's the lesson for us. Jesus isn't a politician. He's not a lottery commissioner. He's not a social worker. He's not a college professor or a March Madness basketball fan. Go Gonzaga. The message that Jesus sent to the people back then and to us on this Palm Sunday is this. I'm your savior. I love you to your soul. I have a much better purpose uh, for your life here, but mostly in eternity. Everything Jesus did, everything he taught, everything has led up to this day and this week as a sign, as a language, a message to you and to me that Jesus came to give you life. Because it's what Amy said, again, as she was talking about the relationship between the sender and the interpreter and the receiver, it's all about this one word. Say it with me. Ready? Go. Trust. It's all about trust. Trust that God loves you and has a purpose for you. Trust that Jesus is who he said he is and did what he said he did. Trust that the Holy Spirit of God is here to comfort you in stressful times and dance with you in joyful times. Trust that nothing in all of creation can separate you from his love. He's the king. And not of a country or a region. He's the king of the universe. That's the message of Palm Sunday. So here's my question for you, for me, for all of us. Have you put your trust in Jesus? Have you surrendered your life, your will, your plans, your relationship, your career, your health, everything to the one who loves you and calls you according to his purposes because listen you can hear that jesus loves you you can you and and that you can have a relationship with god of the universe but you can be spiritually deaf to the message you can be the best church attender in the world but miss the simple truth that god sent jesus to radically change the direction of your eternity this poem sign day Don't miss the message, this beautiful message of Hosanna. Hail to the son of David, to the king. God save us. Don't miss the message that no matter what anybody tells you, you matter to him. And what you've done maybe to mess up your life in the past, you're still worth dying for. That's the message of the Bible. That's the message that he came to give and the freedom and salvation that he came to secure. Amen? Amen. Let's stand.